Now, we like to talk about mysteries here on the show, and one of the biggest on Earth, really, has to do with what is at the bottom of the ocean. It remains so challenging to learn about, but that might be changing. Ocean journalist Laura Trithui has written a book called The Deepest Map. It's all about the race to map the seafloor by the year 2030, and she joins us now to talk about it. Laura, thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. Well, why is there a race going on for this? Uh, Well, my book centers around this initiative called Seabed 2030, and they basically uh, made up the race themselves. Uh, They set 2030 as the deadline for when they'd like to complete the first global map of the seafloor. And at the time they kicked this off in 2017, we'd only mapped about 15% of the seafloor. And in the last six or so years that this race has been going on, they've managed to get that number up to just under 25%, but we're still a long way off. And we've never had this complete look at the shape of our own planet before. Okay. And so, uh, why yeah. haven't we? Why haven't we had that before? When you think about it, we, we know about Mars, we, we obsess about the moon, we're going back to the moon. Why don't we know more about the, the ocean floor? Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I completely do not understand why we've mapped Mars and the moon and many other distant planets, and we still haven't mapped our own ocean. That question sort of kicked off the whole book. And the more I dug into it, I realized, I mean, mapping is just really hard to do. We have to do it with sound and sonar. So you actually have to be physically out there on a ship sending this ping down. So it's tough. It's tough. We map distant planets with lasers. So that's a lot easier. But there's also just like the politics of it, the expense of it. And we've just never been able to get a big collective push behind completing this this map for all of humanity. Okay, so we're more interested in outer space, it feels like, than we have been in the ocean floor. So do you feel like now that is changing with this kind of race? Uh, I hope so. I hope that we're getting more interested in the ocean floor. And, you know, I hope my book has something to do with that. There's incredible mysteries down there still to discover. I mean, Amelia Earhart's plane is down there. Um, One of the greatest mysteries of all time is down there, which is, you know, where did life begin? It started somewhere at a hydrothermal vent on the seafloor, and we still don't know where that is or how that happened. So, so yeah, I definitely hope it's changing. You mentioned one of my favorite mysteries of all time, and that is Amelia Earhart. I mean, that's and, and yet we seem to be obsessed with finding that one out, too. Yes, yes. When tragedies happen in the deep sea, um, as we all saw with the Titan submersible, uh, we we tend to realize just how small we are and how big the ocean is. Um, the loss of the MH370, the Malaysian Airlines flight that went down in 2014, I believe. Uh, you know, we're still looking for that. A whole airplane disappeared. And that just shows how big the ocean is and how small we are. Do you feel like has technology played a role in our lack of knowledge here too, just that it is so challenging, so difficult to get down there? Yeah, for sure. There's um, there's technological challenges, but we're also working on a lot of the ocean mappers that I interviewed. They put a lot of faith into automated mapping. So in the past, we've had to send out these big ships that take whole teams to operate and diesel to run, and they go out for weeks or months at a time sort of pinging the seafloor. And now there's a movement within this ocean mapping community to send out drones instead. So um, you'll get kind of this small drone that runs on much less diesel, has no crew on board. 
but it's operated by someone back on land who does the mapping instead. And they sort of cover off certain areas of the ocean floor. But that sort of made me a little bit sad because I'm a bit of a, a romantic about ocean expeditions. I went on one for this book. And I just love the idea of humans being out there exploring the seafloor. And I was a bit sad that we'd give that role up and hand it over to robots. Oh, that is sad when you put it that way. It is. So is there a particular <laughs> area that the race is focusing on? Uh, well, right now, a lot of the race is focused around coastlines and countries, just because it's always easier, easier to focus on sort of national priorities. So Canada, for instance, is focused heavily on the Arctic and the Northwest Passage, um, because those are national priorities. And it's the same thing with almost every country. What gets neglected in this race is the international seafloor. So about 50% of the ocean is international waters, and there's just very little incentive to, to map that. So to go back to your point about why it's so difficult to map the seafloor, a lot of it comes down to this international seafloor, where there's just no incentive really to finish the map. Oh, so you're saying there's still going to be gaps then? Oh, yes. I think that, I mean, I hate to bust SEBA 2030's bubble, but I'm not sure if we're going to complete that map in the next six and a half years. So we'll probably be working on it for quite some time. One person who runs a drone company actually said, you know, just call it SEBA 2090. Like, we're not going to get this done by 2030. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's that's so much more sad. work left to do. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It sad. Is. What was it like for you to be out there watching this happen? Oh, I found it absolutely fascinating. Um, ocean mappers call this kind of mowing the lawn, where you just kind of work seafloor patches one strip at a time. And I live, love sitting there watching the pings come back and seeing new seafloor that had never been mapped or glimpsed before come up on the screen. So I spent nine days out on an ocean mapping cruise off California, and we only mapped about 4,000 square kilometers and about 426 of that uh, was totally new maps. So it just, it really showed just how big the ocean is and how hard it is to map. And what were the conditions like out there? They were rough. They were really rough. <laughs> That's why I was like so hesitant in asking because I thought, oh, that, that, that would have been hard. Yeah, and I didn't even know if I got seasick when I got, went out on that ship. So I found out that I'm not particularly prone to seasickness, which is great as an ocean journalist. I can continue to do this work. But yeah, it was very rough and rough weather is a huge component of why ocean mapping is so difficult. Winds, waves, salt water, it's all really conspiring against ocean mappers who are trying to get this map done. So there's still a lot more work to do and are you going to continue to follow it? Will you be going out again? Oh yeah, absolutely. If anybody, one quest that never really got finished during this book was that I was trying my best to get on board a submersible. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, with really? the Titan accident that happened, yeah, a lot of people questioned me about that. But the Titan was really an outlier, and I'm still looking for a trip on board a submersible. So if anybody has one, I'm still ready to go down there. Well, you are brave, braver than me. So, Laura, thank <laughs> you so much for joining us this morning. 
Thank you. That is Laura Trithiri. The book is called The Deepest Map, and it's about the race to map the ocean floor by 2030. A huge challenge there, as Laura just explained as well, but also, are they even going to get it all done because of all of those challenges too, right? We're still so much we don't know about the ocean floor. All right, when we come back, we are going to be talking to Mike Smith, but first we're going to get a check of your traffic coming up next.